May 19, 2023. It's a lot from Pedro show. <laughs>
for Pedro Show. Happy Friday. Started the show off with John Coltrane in a private jam after a gig 1958 in Detroit. Actually, Joe Brazil's Paddy Cat, who went on later to record that Seattle version of Love Spring. Also, I think some uh, flute on Ohm or Ascension. I think Ohm. And then after that, anyway, that's a jam with a bunch of guys after the gig in Detroit. 1958. Then Brett H. Hart with Hart Ambient 2. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me all the way from North Carolina. Brett H. Hart. Welcome aboard, brother Brett. <laughs> oh, man. And what time are you from, uh, talking to me from? Uh, it's 2.03 p.m., Mike. No, town. Oh, sorry, Eden, North Carolina, E-D-E-N. Yeah, like the uh, place where all the big sin went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, look, hey, we got to give... There, 
<laughs> First, right off, in, in that spirit, we got to give credit to Scotty Irvin for the connect true. Oh yeah, man. Scotty is a wonderful dude. And, uh, tell me how so, you met him. Well, um, we moved here from new England in 98, just before my daughter was born. And, uh, very shortly after getting down here, I came down here because, um, I, I had Massachusetts teaching credentials and there was work down here. So I came down here and became a middle school teacher. And, um, very shortly after we moved here, there this woman that we had met asked us, knowing that my wife and I were musical and stuff, would you guys be willing to play a benefit show for some some cause? I don't remember which one it was, either hunger or HIV or something. And we said, sure, why not? You know, and, and we did it. And Scotty was on the bill. And this was in the very, very early days of his clang quartet thing, which is just you know, it's a continually evolving thing. Absolutely. And, but I mean, this was real proto. <laughs> and well, you got to start somewhere. Busy. I'm glad you were there in the early days. Let's talk about your early days. Can you bring right. your earliest musical recollection, brother Brett? It was being terrified of a sousaphone. Sousaphone, which is kind of a marching tuba, people. <laughs> yep, yep. Wraps around your body. Okay, so what, explain that situation. Well, I was about two years old, and my parents figured it was a good idea to give me some culture, so they took me to this orchestra. <laughs> and they hadn't even started playing yet, and I saw that sousaphone come out on stage, and it scared the living shit out of me. And I just started hollering and wailing, and they had to, they had to split. They missed a show. So that <laughs> and, there's a, <laughs> and there's an irony in it, because, you know, like, I don't know, probably eight, nine years later, I was in school band playing sousaphone. Whoa, shows to tell <laughs> you. So I was going to say that might have answered one of my questions when I asked your first gig. That might have been one of your first gigs that you witnessed. Yeah, it, it was definitely my first, like, real people with instruments experience, and, and it didn't pad, go well. And this pad you grew up in, since they were so inclined musically, was there any musical instruments inside the pad you grew up in? Well, my mother was pretty good at figuring out ways to keep me busy doing stuff. And so, you know, like she'd put records on and then put a bunch of pots and pans on the floor and give me some wooden spoons and I'd sit there and beat the shit out of them and she could, you know, she could get stuff done. <laughs> so your instrument, your first like drum set was pots and pans. Elvin Jones, he talks about that. Yeah, they used to call the, you know, the jazz guys down in New Orleans call it a trap kit, but right. it comes from the word contraption. Absolutely, because you know? they had to invent it on the go. Yeah, they just cobbled shit together that made a cool sound. Yeah, yeah. Because drums were used like military shit to keep people marching right. Oh God, I could talk about military shit too. <laughs> anyway. Let's 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 talk about grade school since you brought that up you said you were in the marching band you and you got on the sousaphone were you in the choir well, actually, i was mike i was not on in the marching band my band experience didn't last that long i was in band from fourth to eighth grade and i went in as a trombone player i wanted to play french horn but the guy said your lips are too big and uh so play this and he gave me a trombone and that worked out pretty good i liked it and then when I got on up into middle school, um, 
there was all this redistricting shit going on and all the schools were swapping kids and our school lost their sousaphone player to some other middle school. And so the band teacher asked me, hey, man, Hart, I want to give you a crash course on this sousaphone here because we got the Christmas concert coming. Will you do that? I said, sure. And so he showed me how to use the valves and it was, you know, otherwise, you know, you just know what you know about reading music and stuff. And I plus sousaphone parts aren't that tough, you know, and, and uh, sousaphone, well, both in, sousaphone. in middle school, dang. Christmas Bo- music both, what I'm going to say is both the sousaphone and the trombone are bass clef. Yeah, man. Yeah, they're low low instruments. That's a very good point you made. But anyways, after that Christmas concert, he told me to stay on trombone, and I wanted to go back. To, I mean, he told me to stay on a sousaphone, and I wanted to go back to trombone, and he said no, and I said, well, you can stick that, tr- that sousaphone right up your ass. And I quit band, and uh, about... The next summer, a buddy put a guitar in my hands, and that's been my main axe ever since, and that was like 1973. Did he give you that guitar? Huh? Did he give you that guitar? No, we had an old beater in the closet. We had an old Sears guitar in the house that nobody played, and I found it, and I went, oh, hell, we got a guitar. And it was horrible, you know, and, and like, you know, that it's a meme where everybody says the first guitar I had was a silver tone and it was hard as hell to play. Well, so was mine. And uh, but that's a good place to start because people that can't handle it will quit and people that tough it out will probably get a better instrument someday. And I just kept playing that thing and, you know, still play. It's like training yourself by jogging at the beach. <laughs> I can talk to you about jogging at the beach too. Okay. So now did you go looking for a guitar teacher or did you self taught? No, I was blessed with a guy that was already friends with me that I'd been listening to play. He had a big old dreadnought guild acoustic guitar and he could play the shit out of it. He could play, you know, like uh, you know, this is like the singer-songwriter's late 60s, early 70s, you know, and he was able to play James Taylor and frickin' uh, Jim Croce and Harry Chapin and all that kind of stuff, and he was a finger-style player. He didn't use a pick. He didn't use a plectrum. He used his, you know, his whole right hand. Right. Very orchestral, so when he, you know, after I quit band, he's like, you sure that was a good idea? I said, yeah, fuck them. He says, you know, you got the hands to play guitar. And I said, if you could show me a few things, that'd be very cool. And, if you know, he showed me a couple of things. He showed me how to play Fire and Rain. He showed me how to play the beginning and, uh, you know, that kind of intricate beginning to Stairway to Heaven. He showed me how to play Time in a Bottle, which was a waltz. And pretty soon I'm like, hey, this is this don't sound too bad. And it's really fun. And um, and. You know, honestly, I had about one summer of just sitting down with a friend and he taught me a couple of songs. And then from there, it was just like free range music. Let me (laughs) ask you this. Not after school, like graduating, but after school in the afternoon, did you get into the garage band, basement band, bedroom band thing? Yeah. Yeah. I went to a really big high school. I think there was very nearly a thousand of us that were in my graduating class and there was tons of band and chorus and all that stuff going on back then when they used to fund the arts and most of my friends were either singers or players of something and we were all listening to stuff like terry cath era chicago and you know 
fucking uh, King Crimson and shit like that. Everybody was all caught up in, you know, technical prowess, you know, musicians that could really, you know, do this amazing shit because the people that were getting into those school bands were the best of the best, you know. But I very big, uh, big you misunderstand spot. me, Brett. Yeah, we I'm were sorry. jamming garages. Yeah, we I'm talking jamming. about on your own, not the school thing. We already gone through the school thing. That's sousaphone trombone land. Now we're talking about man alone, and you searching for compadres. Um, yeah, there was there were some there were some really loose jams in people's garages and basements and stuff. But for me, it didn't take off until I got to college. Because when I went to college, there was a music school on site, and the place was crawling with all these killer players and people learning all this complex shit. And uh, I wasn't a music major, but those were who my friends were, and that's where everything took off. That's where I got my first electric guitar. That's where I got my first amp. That's where I played with people that were playing horns and all these amazing percussionists. And I started learning shit about vocal harmony and whatnot. You know, it was all very empirical, you know, just hanging around with people. Um, but yeah, we did the garage band thing. And by 1980, um, I had every summer when I went back home to Syracuse, New York, a bunch of us would get together and try to get out, you know, opening for other bands and in downtown Syracuse and up around the university and shit like that. But the high school garage band thing, no, that wasn't really going on. There were some people that would like picket parties and stuff, but for me, it didn't really, really take off until I got to college. And then I just had a major deep dive into all kinds of cool stuff. It's great. You gave me this song, Party at Horror Beach, 2016. I want to play it. Party at Horror Beach.
Sammy, do you make bells jingle? Or, or I make bells jingle. Bells, baby. Do they start out by jingling? Yes, exactly, exactly. But if they start out by jingling, it's, 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 it's not you. It's not so. Right, it's not you.
down for real this time Try to play games but we don't mind Under the covers, what do you find? An open window and a folding blind Who do you know? Who do you know? Got a new job, you're a hero Try to play God but they don't know
for Pedro's show started off that chunk music with Brent H. Hart Party at Har Beach 2016 uh, Scotty and Chad off the leash <laughs> off leash I guess ain't the leash is just off leash oh what a video maybe they, they each had their thing. own uh, there's a video that goes with it sorry this is an audio only show so Speaking of the Watt from Pedro show, people, today is 22 years. 
Brother Brett, you get to celebrate 22 years of the Watford Pedro show with me. Happy anniversary. I'm going to do it with Brother Matt, but he's having some uh, surgery, so he can't. Mm. he's not available. After uh, your party at Hard Beach 2016, we have the story of Gene Gale Bell's Bay Bees from Scotty Chad Offleash. Is that a mm-hmm. title? That's a title. I guess they've just put together this prize. Uh, Rabius Saudata after that from Milano, Italy with Suriname. Suriname, because huh? the uh, Italian versions of all these names of South American countries for their latest album. Colin Dreyer after that with 02.728 Kelvin. A little science rock. Zach Rosen after that with Pound. Bombas Prender and U Sound. Uni and the Urchins. It's funny because, uh, yeah, sea urchin eggs in Japanese is uni. <laughs> okay, <laughs> COVID's metamorphosis. And finally, Brett H. Hart with family talk. Oh, Lord. Well, enlighten us. What, what's, what the, what's, that, what's that about? What's the fucking Horror Beach 2016 about? What was that? The one we started that chunk of music off with, Horror Beach. Yep. Oh, party at Horror Beach. Oh, man, I grew up, when I was a kid, my best friend was a color TV. We moved a lot. <laughs> we moved like seven times before I was 10, so I had no consistency, you know? So I like TV. And I remember I used to like watching them old science fiction movies from the, you know, black and white science fiction movies from the 70s, Cre- Creature Feature and that stuff. And there was a movie called Horror, what was it? Horror at Party Beach was one of them, and it was about these radioactive fish that were crawling out of the water and eating people and co-eds and stuff. So we just kind of flipped it around and wrote a surf tune. This is way back in 1981 when I had a band called The Blunt. It was a power true, just bass drums and me with about seven or eight satellite players, you know, like a trumpet player or another guitarist, all these other people that would call if we ever got a gig and say, whoever can make it, come. And uh, so we had this surf tune, and uh, oh, that that thing was fun. But anyways, it, uh, re- we recorded it way back then live. I got it on a tape somewhere, and the version that you played's got some other people on. It's got Nick Didkowski tearing up some guitar. It's got Dave Newhouse blowing some killer saxophone, and it's got the uh, it's got the original drummer from The Blunt back on the new recording, and it's really cool. It's like this time tunnel kind of thing, you know? I'm, I really love that track. It's, it, it just makes me want to go surfing or something. When you were, you were in college and meeting all these musical people, did you, besides trying to, you know, get better at guitar, were you composing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because when I went in the Navy, they they sent me over to Asia for the better part of eight years. And um, I was in Korea for four of them and going to the Philippines and Japan and stuff. And so I was picking up all this non-12-tone traditional music stuff over there. It was blowing my mind. And I'm, I'm finding like these Buddhist shops you could walk into and you'd find percussion instruments that that seemed to have come from some dream world, you know, that were pretty inexpensive and stuff. And so being over in the Orient for a long time had a massive impact on me. 
And uh, during that time, you know, I couldn't be in bands when you're in the service. You're never anywhere long enough to get a band together. So I got myself a four-track Fostex X-15, and that just kind of became my my thing, you know. And I did that for, God, 20 years. I was doing home multi-tracking and sending tapes off to op magazine and sound choice magazine and option magazine and fact sheet five magazine and low life and all these other damn zines that were all over the place in the eighties and eventually ended up reviewing for some of them magazines. I Basically think, I op, op said, yeah, Hey, we need, we need a, we need a home taper reviewer, but they were on their, I don't, you remember op magazine? Well, I was going to just say op, turned into option it moved from olympia washington state down to southern california exactly scott becker and david Becker, both of them split and sound choice and option were the offshoots of op and so i remember sending the first batch of reviews i wrote to the op address but they popped up in sound choice magazine number one <laughs> and uh i used to get boxes of stuff like every six weeks a big ass box of records and tapes this is all pre-cd and um you know i uh i just listened to so much really non-commercial music you know and it was all sorts of different stuff genre busting stuff and i got stuff from from uh when uh Post Minutemen, I remember getting Firehose Records, and I don't know if it's pronounced Dose or Dos, the duet double bass project that you had back then. I remember getting that stuff for review. Dose and, is uh, Espanol. Uh, that's a wild time, man. All that DIY stuff going on back Do then. Dose is Espanol for two, and we had that band for 35 years. Wow. Wow. Let I, me, I let me ask you about that family point. talk tune. Where, what's that about? That's about my family and maybe other people's families, too. Um, I mean, when did you compose it? When did you record it? What's it about? Family talk was written around 1993 when I was living in Worcester, Massachusetts and playing with a big mess of different people that kind of were all connected by this one recording studio. You know, we get called in to do stuff for different people's projects and stuff. We end up playing out live a lot in various configurations. And uh, my family is a, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to be, say anything that would upset anybody while I'm speaking with you on the phone or on the thing here, Mike, but uh, my family is a complex unit. <laughs> Let me put it that way. And, uh, you know, uh, that song is just trying to kind of look into human communication and kind of things that work and things that don't and things that we take for granted and shit that we sometimes maybe kind of forget that other people suffer too. You know, I it, think it, that's it, a it, good thing. Deep. I mean, I grew up listening to shit like, you know, Merle Haggard and Johnny Cash and people that wrote these extremely real human songs. And I've always wished I could just write one that somebody would go, damn, man, that's sounds like it was about me. I've been trying to do that for 50 years, right? A song that matters to somebody like that, you know? That's a good goal. I got to tell you, Brother Brett, we're at the end of the first hour, May 19, 2023. This is Wapito's special guest, Brett H. Hart. Hold tight for hour two.
2023, it's the second hour of Watt Pedro Show. Check. 
these old songs on my mind. It's all this heat and heavy nights to blame. It's I've been a long dry summer and I'm looking for some.
For Pedro Show, we start off the second hour. Brett H. Hart, those who were WAN. And we had the Drift Institute with money. Not the Pink Floyd song. You can't copyright a title, people. <laughs> Jeb Lloyd Nichols after that with Looking for Some Rain. Electric Blue Silver Infinite Transmissions out of Brighton, England with M, M, M. Gary Lee Connor of the Screaming Trees. This is where he calls himself the gnome, the happy gnome, huh? Screaming Gladly Trees. Orange. Yeah, we lost Brother Van a couple months ago. Beautiful man. <laughs> and then Brett H. Hart with Tony Trishka doing reflections on parenting and lightness to Tony Trishka. Brother Brett. Tony Trishka's a great banjo stylist. You know, like, uh, he's very jazzy, uh, can be, you know, he's just, he's very genre bending. And, um, there was, uh, this town that I live in, 
um, used to have a music festival every year in honor of this fellow named Charlie Poole, um, who I'm sure you probably have heard of, um, yep. who kind of, he, he kind of was like a progressive banjo player a hundred years ago where everybody was frailing on the instrument, basically using the whole back of your hand like a giant guitar pick, but he started using this three-finger technique, two fingers and a thumb, and it made the banjo sound really orchestral, you know, because there's counter melodies and there's bass and shit like that going on in it now. And uh, But anyways, there wouldn't have been any Bill Monroe or Flat and Scruggs or any of that without Charlie Poole. He's called the, the grandfather of country music. But anyways, he's, he was from here, and he worked in the mills here, and this town did a festival for I was involved with it for 13 years in some capacity, either as a volunteer or doing stage setups for the guy I know who did sound for him a lot or even competing in their various competitions. You know, these acoustic instrument things is really fun. Well, anyways, so the last year that I was involved in the Charlie Poole Festival, John Hartford was supposed to be the headliner, and I was jumping through my own ass going, oh, yes, I want to hear John Hartford. You bet I do. And poor John died just before the festival. So the organizers, you know, they're freaking out. Holy shit, who are we going to get now for a for a headliner? And they, Tony Trishka said, I, I can do it. And so he came down, and he was—he did great. He did a great set. He, he, I think he opened with Eleanor Rigby, solo banjo. Just what in the world, you know? And uh, later on, when, it, when after the show, there was this big old RV out there, and they were serving all this good food to people, and uh, which included me and the guy that was running the PA. And so we're all in there eating, you know, cornbread and all that good shit, banana pudding, and I get... Tony Trishka, he looks at me and he says, you're not from here, are you? I said, everybody says that. <laughs> and uh, he goes, where are you from? And I said, I'm from up in New York State, mostly, you know, 20 some years of that. And he said, really, whereabouts? And I said, you ever heard of Liverpool? And he goes, yeah, it's right on the other side of Onondaga Lake from Syracuse. I said, yeah, that's the one. He goes, I'm from Syracuse. I said, get the hell out of here. He goes, I am. I said, prove it. What's the best pizza joint up near SU? And he said, the Varsity. I said, okay, you're from Syracuse. And so, so anyways, at that point, we're talking like we're blood brothers or something, you know, with all this regional shit in common. And I asked him, because, you know, the whole festival was over. I said, what are you doing tomorrow, Tony? He says, I don't know. I said, you want to come over and have lunch? <laughs> he goes, all right. And so he came over to my house the next day after he did this tour of the various graves of Charlie Poole and his band and stuff here in town, he'd come over and we're eating. And I said to him, hey, I got this piece of music and uh, I happen to have five $20 bills on me. I said, if I gave you a hundred bucks to help you get back home in your car and shit like that, would you throw some banjo down on one of my tunes? He said, hell yes. And so he came in the studio and I played him the tune through some headphones and he looked at me, says, okay, go ahead, roll tape. <laughs> and, and he threw this improvised banjo track across a song I wrote about my father called daddy only did the best he knew how. And, um, and we and he got I, he got when he got done I looked I, my eyes must look like freaking saucers because it was really amazing to me to just watch it happen and then he goes hey can I put another banjo track down I'm like fuck yes 
And so I assigned another track and hit record again. And what you're hearing there is uh, Tony's uh, in the reflections on parenting. What I did was I removed the song, like I removed my song from all of those tracks, leaving just him. And then I went back in using this technique that I kind of cop from Roy Buchanan, where you do these volume swells with your pinky, you know, and you can make it sound sort of like, like a horn. And, um, anyways, and so that piece of music was me. Um, cause he and I both had kids, you know, at the time that were roughly the same age. And that was part of the conversation that we had, you know? And so that was kind of part of where it was coming from. But I had also just finished reading this book by Upton Sinclair called the jungle, which is about these. I know all about Upton Sinclair. He was arrested here in Pedro for reading the bill of rights. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you know anything about that, about the big strike we had during the good old days, right? Look, you right, gave me this it, song, Marcel Duchamp. I want to play it. Oh, uh, do it.
and we'll crown this mountain's hands of these. Slap, 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 slap.
Watt for Pedro show. That chunk of music started off with Marcel Duchamp from the Cat's Pants. We'll find out what that's about. After that, Lisa Cameron with Damon Smith, Alex Cunningham in Transparent Gesturing. Petrified Max after that with Make Believe. And finally, Max Love Vibes with I'm the Moon. <laughs> What's this project about? Oh, boy. Oh, let me tell you about the Marcel Duchamp. Um, when, uh, uh, when I first started teaching here, I was making, you know, like first, second, third year teacher salary in the South, which ain't much money. So my wife and I put a band together and we called it the Cat's Pants. And Scotty Irving was our percussionist. And uh, a really good banjo player named Jim Eanes was in that group with us. In fact, he's the PA guy at the Charlie Poole Festival that I worked for, too. And we went into a studio that belonged to the nephew of Charlie Poole's fiddle player back in the day. And we, we made two albums worth of recordings in there. Half of it was songs my my wife wrote, and half of it was songs I wrote, and that Marcel Duchamp song is one of mine. Um, and it just talks about, uh, I guess it's a song that has to do with faith. Um, and, yeah, I love that artist. Marcel Duchamp was excellent. He did he some very clever could, things, and he made people think about stuff different. He could and, transcend uh, movements. Well, I'm the moon. That that song was me. No, I, I think you I, misunderstood I, me, Brother Brett. I said Marcel Duchamp could transcend movements. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like... Futurist, surrealist, Dada, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, them paintings that look like somebody's walking down a flight of stairs where he's trying to kind of like anticipate... That was, that was the futurist. And shit. Yeah. That was the cool. futurist part. Then he got into the... The pisser that he put the Armut signature on, that's the Dada part. Then he got into... You know, the, the 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 bride stripped bare by her seven bachelors with the surrealist is tripping. He let the crack survive when it was being shipped over. So Max Love Vibes. <laughs> yeah, Max Love Vibes. That's what uh that's what Brian Wilson and the the Beach Boys prayed for just before they recorded the vocals for the song God Only Knows. And that's where we took our band name from. And Max Love Vibes was me and a very old friend of mine. I've known him since about 1971, named Mark McGee. And uh, he's, he's a drummer and a percussionist, and he's also a hell of an engineer and sound recordist. And he lives on an island off of Portland, Maine, that you got to take a boat <laughs> to get to. And uh, Mark and I recorded five records together between 90 and uh, 95, uh, right after I got out of the Navy. I mean, I got out of the Navy and literally got in a car and drove to Maine <laughs> to play music with Mark. And uh, we were kind of emulating sort of a, I don't know, like a Robin Hitchcock, Beefheart kind of thing with that band. And uh, that tune, I'm the Moon, <laughs> we used to smoke a lot of weed. One time we were talking and it's like, hey, what if... Uh, what if Steven Tyler sang for the Magic Band? What would that sound like? And I said, that'd probably sound pretty cool. And uh, so that's where that song came from. It was just trying to smash early Aerosmith and Beefheart together. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
Why not? Music is Why the not? fucking, yeah, letting the freak flag fly. But Brett, we're at the end of the second hour. All right. May 19, 2023 edition of Show. Brett H. Hart, special guest, hold tight for hour three. May 19, 2023, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
That one's going to be spiffy. The first time you come to it, give out a kind of a guttural yell. Like, ah! Just before it happens. Ah! Yeah, any kind of verb, like uh, Joseph Spensky. No, I'll do signal. it when it happens. When I stop, I'll make the noise. And from then on, yeah. Well, it'd be better if before, because then I can do it with you. Alright. Can it be a dissonant blat at that point? Oh, like a bleh. Or it could be like a harmonic. Like a fart. Like a musical fart. Like two real icky notes added on or something. That's why I wish the bad thing was fired up. Musical fart
Watch for Pedro's show. Start off the third hour with the Rocco Recyclers doing Stegosaurus Extinction Dub. Then we had Hidden Forces Trio with Raul Cantizano out of uh, Andalusia, part of Spain, huh? Southwest. Dan Jones and the Squids, brand new out of Kansas City, Doomsday Device. And finally, Brett H. Hart, Bob Jordan, better than good. Brother Brett, enlighten us to who Bob Jordan is. Oh, man. Bob Jordan. Bob Jordan is one of the most important mentors I ever was blessed to meet in my life. Um, Just an amazing musician, multi-instrumental, just an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, idiosyncratic guitarists uh, back through the last hundred years he turned me on to so many good guitar players that i had never heard of and probably would have never heard of and he uh he invited me into a group to play jazz when i had never really thought of myself as someone that had that skill set and that was a really big deal for me in terms of i don't know kind of evolutionarily stepping forward a little bit uh, he's also just a wonderful friend, and uh, he uh, he toured Europe with uh, Eugene Chadbourne with the Chadbourne Baptist Church back in the eighties. Um, oh my God! He th- this year in about a week is the twenty fifth annual Bob Dylan Festival in Worcester, Massachusetts, which Bob started and is still doing. I mean, the guy's tenacious as as can be and just does all kinds of wonderful things to give uh, Massachusetts good music. He used to book the Glenn Phillips Band, Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band, all that kind of stuff. He brought brought really good outsider music to New England for decades, and uh, and he uh, he worked in a music store and had students that went on to become absolutely amazing, idiosyncratic and unique musicians as adults. Um, I know you've met people like this that are just they almost seem like fucking Gandalf, man. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. You're talking like from the Tolkien book, from the Tolkien books. Yeah. Bob now, Jordan's uh, a Gandalf. Well, time player. to change topics. What about Rocco Recyclers? Oh, yeah, okay. That's David Wartman, who uh, plays every kind of woodwind instrument under the sun. And he was the music teacher at my music at, at my middle school at that time. This is a long time ago. This is 20, 20, 22 years ago. And um, Scotty Irving on percussion and me. And uh, we actually made that recording in the music room at the middle school. Uh, real Spartan uh, recording situation. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we did some real strange music back then. It's got elements of, like, music concrete going on in it, you know, cut and paste, studio as instrument. And then there's, like, this smooth kind of jazzy saxophone stuff that Wartman brought to it, which is the gravity, you know, it's like the mortar that kind of holds me and Scotty's clatter 
to get together. It was just a one-off thing that happened over the course of one couple of months back in the early aughts. And I, I, I'm really glad it happened. You know, me and Dave ended up going on to do an improvised duets record together after that, as did Scotty and I. And those jams that we were doing there, I'm glad we got them on tape because it's some different shit there. Documentary. <laughs> now, you gave me a couple tunes from a project called Hip Bone. Let's listen. Cool.
Watt from Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Started off that chunk with Hip Bone doing Bayhead. Then the Tragic Assembly. This is North Carolina, but a little west of you, right? Chapel Hill. Yep. Phil Venable on the stand-up bass. A tune called A Person Followed. Years ago, he used to be D.C. and was part of that government uh, issue Mm. thing. Yeah, he was the last manager for the the singer guy. Uh, Cancer got him. Anyway, last tune for this edition, Clown Food. This is quite a piece here, Brother Brett. (laughs) Hip Bone. Enlighten us to Hip Bone. All right. Um, hip bone was a, I love trios. I love playing in trios. It's my favorite thing. If I could choose any configuration, it's me and, and, and two other people. It's the best thing. I like them too. There's more room in the boat. Yeah. You can hear everybody. Everybody can kind of occupy their thing. But, um, hip bone was me and a drummer named Keith Prescott and a bass player named Pete Zolly, who's actually a better drummer than he is a bass player in my humble opinion. Um, and yet, uh, he wanted to play bass in this group. And I said, well, yeah. I'm telling you, man, I've told other people this bass ain't four string guitar. It's four string drum set. I think he was going up the right alley. You know exactly what that's, that's exactly it. He has impeccable time on the bass and it's amazing. I swear. And if I was boss of the schools, brother Brett, to graduate Everybody would have to learn some drums because I think, no, we all be better music cats. We all had some drum fundamentals. Yeah, and people stop hitting each other and go hit a drum instead. Remember, that's how you got started with them pots and pans. Yeah, my mama knew that I had to put that energy into something. Okay, but, um, so hip anyway, bone, hip so bone. Pete and Keith and I were hip bone, and we, we were as close as I've ever gotten to, you know, what some people strive for, you know, putting bands together and, you know, putting out a bunch of product and all that shit, merch and whatnot. And um, we were really good. I mean, we were really good. We worked at it. I, I was recently divorced and living in a in a warehouse that a bunch of other bands played in. 365, I was living there. And, uh, you know, we, we did a lot and a lot of sung songs with some real good vocal harmonies on it and all kinds of polyrhythmic shit going on and cool changes and no two songs sounded the same. And, um, you know, it's like we were just taking this, take just, we were able to take all of our influences and somehow just turn it into this other thing that was us. And, um, it was really fun that if song big head, the first song that you played is a studio recording, and that's the song that people liked a lot when we played it out there because you can pretty much say it's about anybody you think who's who's an asshole or a narcissist or something. Say it's about them. And uh, there was thing, a, there was clown. a song in the seventies called on the AM radio called Mister Big Stuff. Who do you think you are, Mister Big Stuff? Right, And then right. Schooly D, he'd made a version of that in the 80s called Mr. Big Dick. And he made a fucking video like a Gumby thing with a big fucking clay cock. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I shit thee not. So is Hip Bone still a going concern? Pardon me? Is Hip Bone still a going concern? No, no. We um we did our last, uh, we did our last, 
uh, thing together at some kind of Worcester Music Festival about 15 years ago. I drove up there and and we did kind of a reunion show at a club and it was really fun. It got recorded and stuff, but you know, babies happen and people's lives change and all that shit. And we just kind of drifted apart. But I mean, me and Peter are still recording stuff together. Throwing well, let's talk. Let's let's forth. talk about your music right now. What are you doing musically right now? Well, right now, me and Tom Fergass are finishing up another instrumental record. It'll be our third together. And by the way, I got to say this: you inspired the title, okay? Because. <laughs> I appreciate people that can tell me shit straight, right? Because I, you know, I've had some brain damage in my life. And um, you told me when, when I was hitting you with emails, you're like, hey, man, slow down the bum rush. And you made me laugh because that's exactly what I needed to hear. Well, <laughs> it was just because what happens is I, I make commitments and I, I don't want to like make any phony ones. So I got to get what done before I can get to you. But I want to I want to record with you. Definitely. Yeah. So yep. so why didn't you give me some music from this project you're doing if it's his third instrumental record? Because we work fast and uh it's actually come together in like the last two weeks. Oh wow, wow. I'm not shitting you. He just sent me uh his cover painting yesterday and uh, it's like six pieces of music and they clock in at about forty minutes, but they're but the record's gonna be called Bum Rush and bupkis right <laughs> and and i told tom what you had said to me and tom goes yeah brett sometimes you know you just get on this goddamn tangent and people need to tap your brakes for you and i said that's exactly it i Watts think said, i think all humans do this though we just take turns telling letting each other know about that shit don't worry <laughs> yeah. don't worry no i i took no offense i just want to let you know i had a bunch of commitments and i wanted to get take care of those before i got to you but oh, i'm no gonna problem. put out an invite right now brother brett when you guys get these records. Why don't you both come on the show? Let's play it and talk about it. Well, maybe, 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 maybe we can get you to put some thud stick on one of them tracks on Absolute. there. Absolutely. Like, if, if it's not done yet, it sounds like you almost got it done. <laughs> well, no, it ain't quite done yet okay. because I'm, I'm, you know, it's it, it's in the neighborhood of done, but it ain't quite done. I'd say we're like at eighty percent with okay, it. Okay, let, let me bring some bass. Shit, if you want to throw some, yeah, 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 throw me the tune. Throw me the tune. I'll do it. I'll put it up. I'll, I'll push your head in the line. You get to move up. You know, like uh, John Phillips and David Crosby did. Get new livers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but can anyway, I tell you about that clown food tune. We're all, we're out of time. Go, go ahead as quick as you can. Clown food is unadulterated gut buttock, gut bucket improv. Like that is a hip bone segue right there. We just threw that shit right out of our ass without any kind of rehearsal or anything. That's what we would sound like between songs. That's what I want to say about that. That's hip bone at our finest right there. No filter. None. I love it. Let the freak flag fly. Yes, sir. And like I said, let me, okay, let me be part of this record and then, Come back on the show. We'll play it. Talk about it. Deal. Yes, sir. Okay, that's <laughs> bitching. And once again, want to thank Brother Scotty for the connect. It's beautiful. He's people ask me man. about the old days. I tell them it was about people. I think the new days are about people too. I think it's always going to be about people. <laughs> I hope so. I do too. People, it's been the May nineteenth, twenty second anniversary of Wap Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.